to the Gibson Girl Review, the historic fiction podcast that rescues old books from the doom of mere decor and puts them back where they rightfully belong, in your to-be-read pile. Each episode features a discussion and review of one of the famous or forgotten novels published during the Gilded Age and Progressive Era. Join us every other week as we uncover the history and humanity found within these antique treasures and explore just how entertaining and relevant they still are more than a century later. I'm Jacinta Meredith. As the newest member of the Gibson Girl Review team, I spent most of this first season listening to the show as a fan, just like all of you. I loved being introduced to new historical novels and authors, as well as being reacquainted with some old favorites. But now that season one is in the books, pun intended, (laughs) (laughs) I am dying to know what Amy and Katya thought about all the books they shared with us. So, I've dragged them back into the studio to give us a recap of Season 1 of the Gibson Girl Review. Welcome, ladies. Bonjour. Hi, everyone. It seems honestly surreal that we've actually finished our first season. Right? I mean, it went by so fast. I know. I can't believe it. Oh, my gosh. Even as a listener, I could hardly believe it when I realized I had no more episodes to listen to. Yes. Well, you can't listen to them over again. That's true. <laughs> There's a play again. That's button. what I'm going to do. <laughs> but we're actually just a couple weeks away from season two. Yay! And we have a lot of really fun new stuff that we are adding to the podcast starting next season. Yes. And I am so excited to be a part of it all now. Obviously, I am one of the new exciting features. <laughs> and we are excited to have you. Yes. More reviewers means more old books, and we are always down with that. Yes. So before we talk about what's in store for season two, let's look back at all the books and episodes from season one. Since I was mostly a listener for the first season, I have some questions for you two about all the books you reviewed. Yes. Okay. And we actually want to hear what you think, too. So be sure to add your comments. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'll do my best. I'll try. So let's do this. Ask away. Okay. Let's start with an easy one. What was your favorite book from this season that you had never read before? Oh. Easy? That's you hard. That's the easy question. <laughs> that's a hard question. Oh my gosh. That's okay. All right. That's fair. <laughs> I think I would have to say it's kind of like bookends because the two that I had never read before that I liked the best were episode one, which was Pink and White Tyranny. Mm. Nice. And episode 10, Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. I still can't believe you had never read that before. <laughs> I honestly can't either. <laughs> Although my husband had never even yeah. heard of it, so I was rather horrified. Well, and like we talked about in that episode, it's crazy how popular it was, and then it's just been completely eclipsed yeah. by the books that plagiarized it. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> and so that was fun to get reintroduced to that story for sure. So yeah, those are my two picks. <laughs> okay. And Katya? I loved a lot of the new books we did this season. Most of these were new reads for me. But hands down, my favorite was Poor Dear Theodora from episode two. (laughs) I mean, it's such a well-written, deep, beautiful, just delightful piece of literature. So historical. Amazing characters. Great plot. No joke. It's one of my top favorite books now. I was so happy I got to read that. And I'm so happy that you agree with me. (laughs) That's exactly why I wanted to do that book. Well, Pink and White Tyranny and Poor Dear Theodora have definitely gone on my own TBR 
because you know I don't have a long enough <laughs> to be read. There's no such right, thing, right? <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> but I do have to say, I'm most excited after listening to all the podcasts to read Ben Hur, which was episode six. Yes, it has always been on my TBR pile, but it has now been moved to the top like twenty. Which is pretty good for me. <laughs> and of course, you have extra reasons to read that book. I do, actually. My husband's, um, I'm probably not going to get this right, but great, 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 great uncle was Lou Wallace. That was so cool when I found that out. So now you have to read it. You're like matrimonially yes. obligated to read Ben Hur now. <laughs> I know. I'm surprised my husband hasn't just handed me a copy of the book and said enough already. <laughs> okay. So what about characters? Do you have a favorite character from the season? Ooh, that's a harder question than the first one, I think, actually. See, I told you that was an easy one. (laughs) (laughs) In hindsight, perhaps. (laughs) I'd have to nominate two people. I could honestly say Theodora for my favorite female character because she was just amazing. But I already mentioned that. So I'm going to say Barbara from A Born Aristocrat in episode nine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I just love strong moral characters, and she was also just a really great person in her own right. And then I also have to nominate Judah Ben-Hur from episode six, because he's just such a great hero figure, and I loved him. You know, you just have to love the hero figures. Definitely. (laughs) I do, I do. Yes, I do, too. (laughs) I definitely have a weakness. (laughs) How about you, Amy? If we're talking about characters from books that I had never read before... For me, it would be a toss-up between Socrates Potter from Keeping Up with Lizzie in episode five, and I also loved Mr. Cobb, oh. Uncle Jerry, from mm-hmm. Rebecca oh, of Sunnybrook great. Farm, which was our last episode. Yeah. yeah. Between those two, I have always been a sucker for that wise old witty grandpa type yeah. figure. Mm-hmm. I love those. But if we're talking about books that I had already read then one of my favorites would definitely be Mrs. Stuyvesant from Bordier Theodora. And I've also always loved the character of Simonides from Ben-Hur. I'm glad you said those names before I did, because I would have pronounced them wildly differently. (laughs) (laughs) What about your least favorite characters? Now, this is an easy one. (laughs) This is an easy one. That's a lot easier. Yes. Yes. I'm going to go straight to Lily from Pink and White Tyranny. I hated her so much. As a woman, I found her like hugely manipulative. And I was just like, you're just really dumb. And I hate you. And you're not a good person. And like, why are you wasting my book space? (laughs) But to be fair, her husband, John, he had some virtues that I really appreciated. But otherwise, he was really spineless and also dumb. And completely let her have her own way. So I was like, you both need a good shaking and I hate you both. So I'm doing a double nomination here. (laughs) That only seems fair. Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Okay. Well, sorry, Katya, but all those things you hate about John and Lily, (laughs) that's exactly what I hated about Lawrence Seibert from The Wheat Princess. (laughs) Oh, no. I know you love him, but... No. Two big thumbs down. Well, I'm going to go ahead and stand between you guys. (laughs) And I'm just going to say that, Katya, hearing how much you dislike Lily from Pink and White Tyranny really makes me want to read it even more because I need to see this for myself. That's fair. That's great. It's a good book. Go ahead. Yes. (laughs) 
Okay, so how about this? Which heroine would you say you most resembled? Oh. Why are you picking all the hard questions today? I need to keep you on your toes. <laughs> you <know? laughs> I related to a lot of these heroines, but I think the one I related to most was Marcia from The Wheat Princess. Mm-hmm. I just have a lot of the same perspectives and reactions. And then there's also Gwen from Travers. So I guess my answer would basically be, I don't resemble one heroine in particular. I just find many different pieces of myself in several of them. Yeah, I would agree. I think it depends on my age. Sure. Yeah. As a kid, I was definitely a Rebecca. (laughs) But now that I'm older, I would probably have to say I am more like somebody crotchety, like... Aunt Augusta. From, oh, Amy. From Come Portia's on. Really? <laughs> she's know. not. She's not know. Augusta. Don't listen to her. She doesn't know what she's talking about. <laughs> but yeah, like you said, there's a spectrum. I don't think there's one character that is definitively me, yeah. but I could find points of connection. Yeah. Like Gwen, we talked about in that episode and her fact of being Californian and being very proud to be a Californian. Yes. I'm a Gwen too. So yes, it all depends. And I think that's actually what makes books so powerful is that you can find pieces of yourself in different characters. Yes. That's how you relate to them. Oh, yeah, for sure. So on a broader level, I would love to know something new you learned about the Gilded Age or Progressive Era. That's easy for me because the whole thing was a huge learning experience. I didn't know much about the Gilded Age or the Progressive Era since that's not an era I've really studied. So basically every book here taught me something. I learned about everything from copyright laws, thanks to Lou Wallace, or the color of cars from Keeping Up With Lizzie, or British elections in Miss (laughs) Bale, or massive historical occurrences like the San Francisco earthquake from Travers, and then of course the Gibson girl herself. So it was all new info and like super cool to me. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, we did cover a lot of ground that way, too. Yes. Obviously, I have studied this era quite a bit because it's what I write about. But even then, there were some things that reading books from this period did teach me about the Gilded Age and Progressive Era. And the number one thing that comes to mind is the dialogue Mm -hmm. in these books and how modern it was most of the time. I knew that I would find some modern things in these books in terms of like manners and social customs and technology and things that were happening. But the dialogue, the way the characters spoke was actually a really pleasant surprise. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's something about the past that you really can't learn from just reading history books. Right. You have to read the history itself. You Mm -hmm. have to go back to things like antique novels or people's old letters or stuff like that. Yeah. I was stunned at the turns of phrases that I had just assumed were modern. And I love that you mentioned that because that really brings out the fact that, you know, you could be a historian, you can really study things, but you can always learn new stuff that helps you write even better yes exactly and that also just brings up why we don't just do a history show yes we specifically read fiction is that even fiction can teach you something a lot of things (laughs) and sometimes i feel like it's almost more valuable than the history books because instead of compiling a generalization you're getting what was actually current in the era yes absolutely As you both know from my first episode, I've always had a soft spot for the Gibson girls, Mm -hmm. and by extension, Charles Dana Gibson. So, you had to know this question was coming. Uh What was your favorite thing that you learned about Charles Dana Gibson's history or career? Oh, that's easy. All of Charles Dana Gibson was new to me. 
this whole thing. I knew nothing about him. So this was all new. And <laughs> I just love the history because it was fascinating. I mean, he's got yeah. such a cool life, okay? Oh, my gosh, yes. Don't skip that part on the episode. <laughs> but I'd have to say definitely the part that struck me the most and stayed with me mm. was his struggle to get started. Yeah. That was so inspirational to me as a young artist in that I'm a young writer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He went through so much rejection and so much struggle to finally become one of the most famous and impactful artists. I mean, this guy changed the world. Yeah, yeah. he really did. So that is amazing. Just so incredible. Wow. Yes. Yeah. There are two things that immediately come to mind that I never knew about him before. One was actually his later career that we talked about in our last episode and how he had always wanted to pursue oil painting. That just struck me as really fascinating because he is so connected to black and white art mm -hmm. that learning that he had a desire to create in color. Mm -hmm. I just found that really intriguing. And seeing some of his later portraiture that he did in oils and in color, they're very beautiful in a very different way than the artwork that we know him for. So that was fun to learn. Yeah. And of course, you guys are not going to be surprised at all to hear me say. <laughs> I'm waiting for it. <laughs> I absolutely loved learning about Charles Dana Gibson and his friendship with Richard Harding Davis. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I love it. I was laughing with a friend of mine the other day that the next two cats that I get are going to be named Gibson and Davis. I love oh, that. that's such a good idea. That is how much I love these two guys and their friendship. Oh my gosh, I love that. So, I know that as avid readers, we are always looking for new authors to follow. So, what about a favorite new-to-you author from the season? Didn't I just answer that? <laughs> you know, you kind of did. That's but... what I thought. When I heard that question, I'm like, I know what Amy's saying. <laughs> well, I can answer this one first because this is no contest. Richard Harding Davis. Shocker. He's my hero. I'm so surprised. <laughs> I'd be willing to read any of these authors except William Fraser Ray because Miss Bale's romance was enough for me. Yeah, I agree with you. All the other authors were pretty awesome. <laughs> I think the book I'd like to read most is the second novel by Florence Irwin, mm. who was the author of Cordia Theodore. Oh, sure. But the author I'm most likely to try again soon is probably Richard Harding Davis as well, <laughs> because I loved Van Viber from her first appearance. He's such a nice guy, and I want to read more about him. <laughs> and Richard Harving Davis is a great writer, and he has really quick, easy reads. So great filler material when I need a quick read. Okay, so what about romance? Did any romances especially make your heart take flight? Yes. Oh, I know what you're going to say, Katya, and I'm already <laughs> I'm going to take my headphones off for this answer so I don't have to hear what she's going to say. Yeah, I have a feeling people will expect me to say Keith and Gwen from Traverse, but no. It was hands down Marcia and Lawrence from The Wheat Princess. Nobody has to agree with me, <laughs> but I loved it so much. It made me so happy. Tied with that would definitely be Theodora and oh, Alan mm, yeah. because I adored their romance. And yes, Keith and Gwen are runners-up, so there you go. <laughs> that was a very wide range of romances for you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, I love a good romance. It's kind of funny because the one book this season that actually has romance in the title was the least romantic book that we read. I know. I was so annoyed by that. For some reason, the one that actually just suddenly came to mind was Dan and Lizzie from Keeping Up With Lizzie. Mm-hmm. That was a fun romance to read. Yes. But I think the one that stands out to me the most was actually secondary characters in A Born Aristocrat. That was so cute. Barbara's sister, Frida, mm. and her romance with Donald. Mm-hmm. The way they came together was surprising. Mm. And it was just great to see a meeting of the minds like they had. It was cool. Those are the two that come to mind. But there are a lot. There are so many great romances oh, in yeah. all of these books. We had a very romantic season. We did. Well, romance books are the best. They are. That's why we write them. (laughs) Not going to lie, it makes me like 10 times as likely to pick up these books because I want to see that romance. Yes. (laughs) Okay, so what about a book that was most unexpected for you? I feel like I said lots of the books here were unexpected for (laughs) me. Yeah. Like we talked about in almost every episode, there were a lot of books here that you and I had never even heard of before. So in that sense, they were kind of all unexpected. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'd never heard of most of them. Most people hadn't, including us. <laughs> Shocker. I know. so good. Exactly. Okay, so two books immediately come to mind. First was Pink and White Tyranny. I was one of those people who kind of approached that book of thinking of her as a serious Victorian writer because she's Harriet yeah. uh-huh. Beecher Stowe, for crying out loud, you know? Right. So I was definitely not expecting that book to be as funny and witty as it was. The other book that really surprised me, like we talked about in our last episode, was Rebecca of Sunnybrook Farm. Yeah. I was definitely floored by how much Lucy Maud Montgomery borrowed from that book when she wrote (laughs) Anne of Green Gables. Because I've always been an Anne of Green Gables fan, right? And we talked about this, of course, in that episode. I was not expecting to find so much source material for Anne in Rebecca. Right. And as I also previously mentioned, I'd read Rebecca in the past, but I did not realize until I reread it how similar it was to Ellen Montgomery's books. Mm -hmm. That was kind of stunning for me. What about you, Katsio? Of all the unexpected books you read, (laughs) can you pick one or two or ten? (laughs) (laughs) I'm a kind of person who has very strong first impressions of books, and they usually end up being 100% wrong. So, like, every book is unexpected to me. (laughs) (laughs) But in this case, I think the medal goes to equally a born aristocrat and her first appearance, which is ironic because, you know, we were comparing them. But they both threw me for some really massive loops that I never dreamed of. Yeah. Even the beginning of each one surprised me because I totally didn't expect this sweet, heartwarming novella in her first appearance. Yeah. I expected a comedy. And then A Born Aristocrat, it was astonishing to me because for some reason, I expected this blend of Louisa May Alcott's really homey, elevating the arts, moralizing, sweet Victorian tone with some (laughs) Southern 1870s setting. I cannot explain where I got this idea. Except maybe I had these ideas of the 1800 stage from a book somewhere. But anyways, A Born Aristocrat is emphatically not that. It was much better. And so it was not what I expected. Yeah. And it was very fun to talk about the comparisons between those two because they take wildly different views of that exact same subject matter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So on the opposite spectrum, which book did you find exactly as you expected, Uh, if any? I'm going to say the opposite of Amy here because Pink and White Tyranny was pretty much what I expected. (laughs) Okay. I also thought it would be less comedic because of Uncle Tom's Kevin, but I also knew Harriet Beecher Stowe was very funny as a writer, so that didn't surprise me at all. 
And the characters, the themes, the writing style, it's just like super Harriet Beecher Stowe. I was looking forward to it, and it was just what I expected. Well, once again, my answer is not going to surprise anyone, because <laughs> I'm going to say Ben-Hur. Shocking. There were some unexpected things for the episode, like learning and researching the history behind the yeah. book and mm -hmm. its publishing and all that kind of stuff. But the story itself, I love going back to that story again and again, because it is one of those books that... Every time you read it, there's always something new to be gleaned from it. And I love that. I feel like that would be a really hard question for me to answer because unless someone tells me what to expect or unless I'm really acquainted with the author, I don't tend to go into books with a ton of expectation. You are blessed. <laughs> <laughs> well, especially all of these ones that, you know, I've never heard of. I have no idea what to expect. So how could it meet my expectations? That's kind of the thing. Like there's no back cover blurb. Right. You know, and a lot of these books, even when you look them up on Goodreads or Google Books or something like that, mm -hmm. they don't give you a description of what the book is about so yeah. that you can have an expectation of the story. So a lot of these, it is really hard to right. be like, I have no idea what I'm about to get into. Blind date with a book on steroids. Pretty much. <laughs> <Yes>. Yeah. <laughs> So that's both the downside of old books, but then also the fun challenge just yeah. because more times than not, we're surprised and delightfully surprised to see what is inside these pretty old book covers. Well, and in one sense, it actually adds to the enjoyment of reading the book because all of the modern books, you read the back cover blurb and you're pretty much acquainted with the genre. So you basically know what to expect in the book. But the older books, Could be you legitimately don't. So it's like a fun treat the first time you read it. Well, and so many back cover blurbs on modern books are backstory. Yeah. So they explain, like, here's the whole history that you have to know about this book before page one. Right. Whereas historic novels, like we read on the show, mm -hmm. you have to incorporate all that in the story. And so they're written mm -hmm. different. They're starting different, you know. So it's a different yeah. style, different writing, etc. But love it. Exactly. I feel like it's almost more fun. Yeah. So we talked about what you expected and what you didn't expect. Were there any books that you changed your mind on significantly after or during reading? Oh, no, not that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Tell us about it, Katya. For me, it was definitely Ben-Hur. I started out hating it, and then I really enjoyed it. And then I got lukewarm because there was way too much description. And then I loved it again because it was really awesome. And then I was left with very mixed feelings. So it was quite a roller coaster. Actually, our podcast conversation changed my mind about it even more. And so now I really want to reread it sometime in the next year with my new perspective on it. Yeah, you did really have the whole gamut of reactions to that story, <laughs> did. didn't you? <laughs> All the ups and downs. Yes. For me, as we talked about in episode seven, I did have a change of heart somewhat <laughs> about Travers. The first time I read it was not for the podcast. It wasn't for anything. It was just a book. And I had a horrible reaction to it because it was just so laughable in the way it was written and stuff like that. But reading it again, especially after I had done a little research about the author, Mm -hmm. and what she was bringing to the story from her own personal experience. It definitely improved my opinion of that book. Aww. So the podcast enabled me to change my mind yeah. about Travers. That sounds perfect. And that's what we're all about. <laughs> were there any books that you thought especially entertaining this season? Ooh. Intentionally entertaining? <laughs> <laughs> you know, we could go either way. <laughs> I know her answer. Because <laughs> again, the first one that comes to mind is Travers. <laughs> but that book was not supposed to be a comedy. 
I would go with pink and white tyranny. Stowe's sarcasm, that's my love language, really. And I was incredibly entertained by her wit. Yeah, I agree with Amy. Pink and white tyranny was absolutely hilarious. But just for the sake of being different, I'm going to say Keeping Up With Lizzie because it was really funny and it's just wildly crazy and it doesn't stop. Like, as soon as you think things are slowing down, they pick up even more crazy than before. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's the only book we could have redone the episode of, like, what, five times? Yeah. And we still <laughs> exactly. genuinely enjoyed it and wanted to reread it. <laughs> yeah. All those practice episodes that you all will never hear. You know, we could still come back and talk about keeping up with Lizzie and still have fun and still recommend the book. So, yeah, that's an excellent point, Katya. That book is definitely entertaining. All right. What would you consider the most difficult book to read this season? Miss Bale's Romance. <laughs> it was so boring and dry. I can't exaggerate how boring it was. I don't get bored easily with books, okay? I read books that people think are really boring and I love them. But this was just bone dry boring. It was tedious. That book was definitely the most challenging book from the season. Yes. But it's one of our most downloaded episodes. And it was a fun episode to do. Yes. Because for sure. even bad old books still have something to offer. And so we set out to prove that. And judging by all the downloads that episode has gotten, yeah. I think we did. You know, so even though it was a hard read and a bad book that we didn't enjoy in terms of a fiction story, it was worth it. It was still a really fun episode. And based purely on how many times you've mentioned it, I feel like I need to read it. I think you should, honestly. <laughs> Just say. <laughs> Although I will say I was really intrigued in that episode by your commentary that it would make really good research if uh -huh. you look at it as a nonfiction book. Yes. And that alone could make me go get it. It's definitely yes, worth it. Yes, that, that is definitely the reason that anybody should still read that book for sure. Yeah. Okay, now what was your biggest takeaway from all the old books you read this season? If I had to pick one thing I learned this season, I think it would be the human side of history. Mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm a history buff. I've studied a lot of history. I've read a lot of primary source material. History was a huge deal to me, always has been. Mm -hmm. But never have I ever realized so strongly that people are people throughout history. Mm. And they just have the same problems, hopes, sins, joys overall experiences and emotions as we do today yeah the wheel just keeps turning the same things come up it doesn't change there's nothing new under the sun exactly and that just really hit me in the face yeah if you take all of these books together as a whole that is definitely the cream that rises to the top here of takeaways the past is a lot closer than you think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> People nowadays tend to think that old books are hard to read because the times were so different. Right. And I think every single book, even the historical books like Ben-Hur, every single book that we have talked about this season proves that that's not true. Right. Yeah. And of course, as a historian, I look at all these books as a whole and I'm just intrigued by the lessons that we have learned mm -hmm. from the past and the ones that we sadly have not, that we are still mm -hmm. repeating. Yeah. And that's why reading these old stories is so important because the maxim is true that those who do not learn from the past are right. doomed to repeat it. Yeah. And that's what we're striving to do here is learn about the past and, yeah, hopefully avoid the doom of repeating it. That's my biggest takeaway is that the past is present yeah. every day. I agree. Yeah. And kind of related to both of your points, I was honestly surprised at how varied the books were. Yeah. 
Like, some were funny, some were serious, some used more modern language, some less so. And even though I do love antique books, when I started reading them more regularly, I expected them to all more or less sound the same. Mm. I didn't expect that human element that you both have touched on. Yeah. They all have had their own unique vibe, just like modern books. <laughs> and we did really try to find that variety. We worked hard. <laughs> and make sure not every book was like a pink and white tyranny or a huge tome like Ben-Hur. Yeah. Well, I think you picked a very good selection. I'm glad Thank to hear you. that we succeeded with that because yes. that was intentional in trying to present the variety of old books that are out there to be read and enjoyed. Yeah, you did a great job with that. I definitely got a different feel for each one. So finally, as we conclude season one, what is your favorite part about doing this podcast so far? Well, so many things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things. Yeah. But for me, rereading old books and discussing it is the best fun ever. And I truly, genuinely, passionately love this. <laughs> I don't have much else to say. It's just that this experience is awesome, and I'm having the time of my life yeah. getting to read these awesome, or at least history-filled, <laughs> books, and talking them over with someone who understands and have a similar, and yet a different perspective, which is very right. broadening. Yeah, This is an occupation I've dreamed of, but never thought I would have, and Aww. it came true, and it's just like, I am loving getting to talk about this and prove that, you know... Old books are worth reading, history is still alive, all these deep human points that I'm so passionate about. I completely agree. It's very fun to have this sense of, I found my tribe. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like, I'm not the only person out there who loves these books. I'm connecting with other people who love them has been so much fun. I completely agree with that. Yeah. I think my favorite thing about the podcast is whenever I get a text message or a comment on a social media post or a DM or something from somebody who says that they are now reading one of the books that we reviewed on this show. Yes. Specifically Aww. because we introduced it to them. That's awesome. Like this weekend, my best friend down in Arizona. Hi, Katie. She sent me this picture. Like, look what I'm reading right now. <laughs> and it's a screenshot of poor dear Theodora because she had just listened to the episode and she's now reading the book. Yeah. That's amazing. That makes my day every single time because that is our entire goal. We want everyone to read more old books. Right. They're worth reading. Yes. So knowing that our audience is connecting with us in that mission, that they are reading these books and not only reading them, but loving them. Yeah. Like my mom has read almost every single book that we have shared on this season and she sends me her text message updates. She's like, just finished her first appearance. I'm now Aww. reading Lizzie. You know, I love that. It's yeah. great. So that is by far my favorite thing. Knowing that we have our little tribe here who's doing the podcast and talking about the books, yeah. but then also knowing that that tribe of old book lovers is growing when people are connecting with us and reading the books with us too and recommending books for us to do. I also love that. Yeah. That is my favorite thing about this podcast is just sharing old books and knowing that you guys are loving what we're offering. Yeah. You know, because we all would sit here and just talk about old books amongst ourselves, <laughs> yes. even if nobody was listening, even if we weren't recording. And we do, actually, when the record yes. button stops. <laughs> we keep talking. Before. Exactly. As demonstrated by all the material you have to cut out. <laughs> exactly. We edit these down a lot, right? <laughs> so I know this can sound a little bit repetitive, but I loved learning about the Gibson girls. <laughs> And Charles Dana Gibson. That's been a very unique <laughs> aspect to talk about in these books, yeah. too. Yes. And it always felt like a little underappreciated to me. So I just love that 
well, that they got a little love and the other people now know about it as well. Yes. People like Katya who never <laughs> heard of them. For sure. So we've shared the links for some of the books that we used as resources in talking about Charles Dana Gibson. So those of you who want to know more can always go back. But we'll keep talking about the Gibson girl in our future episodes for sure. I don't think that's going to go away. Oh, good. Because she's just okay. too cool. <laughs> yes. Plus, you know, it's her name. It is. <laughs> so to wrap up, Amy, do you want to tell us what's in store for season two? Oh, yes. So we've teased a little bit about this. One of the biggest things we're going to do starting next season is we are actually going to become a weekly show. That's so exciting. Bring out the pom-poms. I know. We have that many old books to share. And one of the things we're going to do is also start giving you, our listeners, a way to help us choose which books to review. I'm so excited. I love it. And this is all part of a brand new membership portal that we will be launching on our website called Dana's Club which is where you will be able to get access to exclusive bonus content like extended episodes, even bonus episodes. Plus, Dana's Club members will receive a newsletter. They'll be able to vote on which books we should feature in upcoming episodes. You'll also get advance notice of which books are coming up on future episodes. For those of you who want to read ahead, we'll also be doing some giveaways. All kinds of stuff coming your way in that new portal. We're also expanding our team of Gibson girls and Gibson men. We'll have new reviewers, more guest authors, more guest readers. You guys are going to love this. We have such an amazing team that is building up around us. People from literally all over the world have been reaching out to me, responding to this show, asking to be part of it. And we are so excited to bring them into the Gibson Girl Review family and to introduce them to all of you. So yes, we've got all kinds of fun in store starting in season two, which is only a few weeks away. So the wait will not be long. Yay. This is going to be great. So excited. Well, thank you for joining us today for this look back at season one of the Gibson Girl Review. We have loved sharing these antique novels with you and we have so many more to come. So be sure to click that follow or subscribe button on your podcast service so you can catch up with all of our new episodes. And you can always connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, or on our website, GibsonGirlReview.com. We'll be back on July 4th with the all-new Season 2. So until then, let's all keep reading like a Gibson Girl. Thank you for listening to the Gibson Girl Review, a Curious Antiquarian production. For complete show notes, transcripts, download links, and more, please visit us at gibsongirlreview.com.